0: Two Weeks One Shot is a new tabletop RPG podcast of one-shot adventures played in different tabletop systems with new episodes
1: every two weeks. For those of you who are joining us who aren't used to tabletop games, I'm so sorry for everything we've already done and everything we're about to do. Don't you apologize for me. I've seen it when she doesn't do her hand over her face thing and it's it's disturbing. That's a courtesy. Were you bumping uglies, ma'am? Uh, Is it sexual? I Is it close? Do not Is it intimate? Ha- Is this revenge? I do
0: not have uglies, sir. They are beauties, if anything. Now, here's the weird thing. The cod piece. I don't know if that's entirely necessary for the uniform, but I'll wear it. I'll wear it. I'm not saying no. Why don't you just ask him for it if you're friends? I didn't think of that.
2: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you <laughs> can not
1: cut that out. Plot <laughs> hole.
2: I'm sorry that I like put my finger in a bubble.
1: Hey, Jumpkins. Yeah. I love um, you. I-, I love you, sensei. That got real weird. It's been weird. Haven't you been listening?
0: <laughs> Tune in at podbean.twoscast.com. That's Podbean. T-W-O-S cast dot com
2: Hello, and welcome back to 19 Hits the Dragon, the podcast of Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop RPGs, and other nerd culture. I am your host, Mike Daniel, uh, and today I am joined by some very special guests. I have here with us Alex Rodriguez and uh, Brian LeBlanc, aka Helix, uh, from the podcast Two Weeks, One Shot. How's it going today, guys?
0: Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, excited to excited to join in on an episode of the show. You know, we saw we saw the call on Twitter it was it was like asking where was two's cast when the Westfold fell? And well, here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, we may not have been there in time for the Westfold, but we're here now. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that's good enough. Uh, and yeah, great to be here. Thank you so much for having us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to have you guys on the show, and thanks so much for uh, joining us here today. Uh, this is actually the first in our series of guest appearances here on 19 Hits the Dragon. Um, and I have invited uh, the these guys from uh, Two Weeks One Shot here onto the show to actually talk about um, how to create and uh prep and run a one-shot which seems like it was something that was right up their alley to uh to talk about um so yeah i guess you guys just want to tell us a little bit about the show here now and then we can kind of talk about uh kind of get into talking about some uh one-shot stuff here
0: that sounds great. So as Mike said, we're from Two Weeks, One Shot, a tabletop RPG variety podcast where every two weeks we put out an episode of an ongoing one-shot that we're currently playing. So what we try to do is play one-shots in different systems, and we swap out who's running the game, and we try to bring in different people to play the game. We have a, we have a core group of four. Uh, the other two could not make it. Because I didn't want them to, but <laughs> screw those, uh, those well, guys. Yeah, screw those other Listen. two guys. Cut that, cut that out. We're, this is, being that this isn't a
1: Two's Cast episode, we get to say like we know, we know we're your favorites, guys. It's, it's okay. true. <laughs>
0: we control the narrative here today. Exactly. exactly. Feels really good. So God.
1: yeah, we we play
0: different one shots and different systems. We have uh, we are not exactly the most serious players. We definitely joke around a lot, but I think that's uh, I think that's part of the charm.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're we're there to have a good time and to do, I think, one of the things that, you know, one shots are good for, which is, you know, having a nice little time, having fun with friends uh, and showcasing, you know, a little bit about a system and a setting. And hopefully we get to do that every time that we're doing stuff.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I got to say, I'm very much enjoying the show. I'm only a few episodes in, but it's been been great so far. Um, I think, uh, Brian or Helix, you're the one that, uh, plays the, uh, the rat guy in your first one shot, is no, that correct? No, no, that's sorry?
1: actually, uh, that's, that's Frank plays the, uh, Oh, okay, the yeah, my, my apologies I, was, I, I played, uh, I, I, played Rel in our first one. Rel, shot. Every, okay, everyone's right, favorite okay, homicide gotcha, or, gotcha,
2: gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> yeah. For sure. So yeah, my, my apologies there. Just got a little bit mixed up. But yeah, um, some some excellent uh, characters and a really great uh, premise going into the one shot as well. Um, and uh, yeah, as we'll talk about here today, just kind of goes off of the rails almost immediately, um, as as is often oh, the yeah. case with mm-hmm. one shots. Um, but uh, yeah, before we get into talking too seriously about like you know tabletop RPGs and and uh, on topic here, while I got you guys here. Um, you know, I know we talked, uh, when we talked the other day, kind of before recording, uh, here, um, I mentioned that I've been playing a lot of Dark Souls, uh, because I'm a masochist and it sounded like you guys are also kind of on the same page there as well, enjoying some of the, uh, the Souls-like games. Is is that correct?
0: Yeah. Fellow masochist here. Mm-hmm. I've played, Absolutely. I've, I've played all of them except for Bloodborne, okay. uh, cause I just can't get my hands on the technology. Mm. And Sekiro is the only one I haven't beat. Okay, But I, I definitely have this cycle where I start playing a Souls game, I hit that plateau of frustration and fun, mm-hmm. and then I drop off for like a month, and then I come back and I surpass the <laughs> plateau. It's a
1: vicious cycle. I've been there too. And I gotta yeah. say, I, I haven't played all the Souls games. I've played mm-hmm. two and three extensively uh, and Sekiro is also one that I've played a lot and probably mm-hmm. my favorite just cause it is so tight and so well done. And it really, it, it's probably the one that of all of them that I feel the most frequently, like you really feel like you've overcome a challenge and, uh, it's entirely skill-based mm-hmm. that you've done that and it's very rewarding.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And not to mention just God tier hit boxes. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Excellent, yeah. I uh, I have been playing Dark Souls three recently. Is my first mm-hmm. time picking that one up. I just nice. happened to see that it was on sale for like fifteen bucks or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I've never played that one. I'll pick it up. Um, but I, I, I certainly understand that cycle that you're talking about, Alex. Uh, and that's kind of what happened to me with uh, Bloodborne. Actually, is that I uh, I got into it and I I played it for a little but little while. Um, got to I think like the third boss maybe. Uh, and I just, I had hit a wall and I just couldn't figure out how to tackle that particular boss. Um, so I just kind of let the game go for a while. Um, and uh, I think, I, I can't remember who it was, but I was watching some, you know, video on online with some tips about um, how to do better at uh, Bloodborne and, and other Souls-like games as well. It just kind of happened across my, my feed, so I, I checked it out, um, and that sort of got the wheel spinning again. So I think that was kind of what prompted me to actually get Bloodborne three when I did see that it was it was on sale there. And um, yeah, I've actually been doing a lot better this time. It's kind of my first time getting uh, any headway in a Soulsborne game, so it's been really really exciting. Um, although I've Mike, gotten hit, to hit me
0: with your build. What's your build? Yeah, for what's your the build? We're um,
1: gonna judge you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, God, I, I don't even uh, know enough of it right offhand here to tell you exactly, but I have have been playing a knight. I'm like level forty right now. Um, I've put most of my souls into uh, health and stamina and strength. Um, Hell yeah. Just to you know survive and hit harder essentially. Um, and I have I don't even know how to pronounce the the straight sword's name. It's uh, um, so the icy straight sword that you get uh, from, oh god, you're you're putting me on the spot here, and I'm like, oh wait, I'm no, such I a think, noob. I, I don't I know even the, know. I think I
1: know the one you're talking about, though. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, but I got it, I guess, prior to um the Deacons of the Deep as I was heading to the cathedral. Yeah, there was uh, Is that, some like the icy righter yeah yeah, uh, yeah, 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 And got his his straight sword, and I've kind of been rocking that. Um, nice and upgrading that as well as I've been been able to. Um, it's it served me pretty well. I I, I like the uh, kind of quickness, but also hitting hard, and it's got the icy glow to it and stuff as well. So it's it's been pretty nice. Yeah. I
0: I like that point in Dark Souls where you've leveled up enough and you don't really care about stats. Mm-hmm and you start playing fashion souls,
1: essentially, oh, yeah. and you're just mixing match sure, sure. your armor pieces mm-hmm. just to get just to get the coolest-looking character you can. Mm-hmm. I want to look rad. I want to feel good.
2: For sure. yeah. Well, I feel one, like there should have been a third realized. statement there, but I didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I, ran
1: out of, I ran out of thoughts.
2: It happens to the best of us. Um, but, yeah, I think one thing that I, I definitely appreciate a lot about... Um, the Souls-like games and to kind of get us back on, on topic here is that it is something that I can just kind of pick up and play for a little while and then I can put it back down and I come back to it and I don't feel like I've lost too much, mm-hmm. right? Like it has that, the uh, the sort of feedback loop and the repetitiveness of like, okay, well, I got somewhere, I died, now I'm back where I was, but I know the path that's ahead of me so I can just kind of pick up the game, play for a little while, have some fun, make a little bit of progress and kind of hit that cycle again. Um, and I think that's kind of related to, <laughs> in a weird way, uh, like doing one shots as well, right? Because it's there's no real pressure. You're not trying to sustain a campaign necessarily. You're just kind of picking up the game for a little while, having fun having fun with your friends uh, and getting a little bit of that that taste of the tabletop RPG. Uh, to uh, to kind of keep you satisfied for, for playing, right? Because I, I don't know about you guys, but playing tabletop RPGs for me is like a huge release, and I just really, really enjoy that, very passionate about that. Um, and I think that one-shots kind of provide that, um, that bite-size um, tabletop RPG experience, right?
0: Yeah, there's definitely a moment of catharsis mm-hmm. that you get playing a one-shot where you get to the end of it, right all the all the threads have been put out you're starting to tug at one string and everything's starting to come together and really it's it's kind of this horizon that you all overcome mm-hmm. at the end of the night cuz that's it that's the end of the uh, that's the end of the adventure right. you're not you know you're not you're not making characters for for a long term campaign you're not writing a story where the the corruption goes straight to the top or or anything (laughs) right right? right. it's just it's it's a couple of hours with a couple of friends and you kind of just get to goof around Mm -hmm. uh and and just have
1: some laughs on the way there yeah i think that's one of the really nice things about them is that you know obviously at its core a one-shot experience is going to be very different from you know the experience you would have with a full-on campaign Right. But at the same time, it sort of is taking that experience and distilling it down to the most basic and cramming it into, like, that shorter time frame. Because it really is similar to, you know, if you've played in a big campaign, that sense of, like, getting to the end of a story arc and you, you know, conquer a major villain or complete some major task that you had to. Uh, but, you know, instead shorten that down instead of, you know, doing that over months, you do it in a single night. And it still does feel really good when you get there. Uh, mm-hmm. And it can it can still be that huge sort of payoff at the end.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, so if we are you know giving advice to our listeners here about um, creating and, and running their own one shots, I guess you know my question for you guys is where do you where do you get started when it comes to sort of crafting or concepting um, a uh, a one shot? What's the first step sure. for y'all?
0: Sure. So so I think if if you have to. Put it into steps, right? Picture that uh, that Majoris Mask moment where it goes dawn of the first day, right? But <laughs> right. then underneath it says writing the adventure. Uh, you essentially, right, think of, think of an adventure you'd want to have with your friends, something encapsulated. Really consider, you want to consider uh, uh, either a concept or a theme of some sort. I myself mm-hmm. am very guilty of just getting a concept from a movie, right? Our, our sure. first adventure oh, sure. on... Yeah, our first adventure on Two Weeks, One Shot, I just told everyone, make your character like it's going to be introduced in an Ocean's Eleven style thing. Did it work out that way? No, but we'll <laughs> get to that later. <laughs> uh, and I think really a, a big part of it is, you know, considering who your players are, right? Have a conversation. If you're throwing mm. it with a couple of friends, have a conversation and find out, you know, what kind of adventure you would be interested in playing.
1: Definitely. Uh, I know for the one shot that I ran for Two's cast, which was in the Deadlands system, uh, that was, again, something that I did really uh, consider early on with, you know, writing that up and thinking about what it was going to be. I knew that we were going to do Deadlands, and that right there, you know, tells me a few things. I know it's going to be a Western. I know that it's going to have some, you know, supernatural and horror elements, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what am I going to do with it from there? And then, you know, from there you get that core idea. Uh, And I think it is really important to consider both, you know, the people you're playing with and what they're going to like because every group is different. Some groups are going to be really into combat and, you know, very mechanical stuff about the game, but some groups are going to be very light on that and they prefer the role-playing, they prefer the narrative, or they prefer puzzles or something of that nature. So considering them uh, and considering the fun, you know, because at the end of the day, you really need a one shot to be a good experience or at least ideally I think we all want it to be that way Uh, and I think the best (laughs) thing to aim for with that is fun if it's just a fun time that you sit down for you know however many hours with your friends and Mm -hmm. go through an adventure
2: it's going to be a good time at the end yeah absolutely and just to kind of add on to that I think as well as just to start considering the themes and I think the uh, the game or the system that you're using for that one-shot um, absolutely is going to play into that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned Deadlands, and just knowing that you're playing Deadlands, that keys you into some of the things that are going to be going on in that game, right? And if you're playing like Dungeons & Dragons, you know, okay, well, this is going to be more of, like uh sort of medieval fantasy uh, type setting, um, and you have a lot of room to kind of go from there. Whereas if you're playing like, you know, Monster of the Week or something along those lines. You know, there's going to be some horror elements that kind of go into it. There's maybe some sort of mystery to solve, things along those lines.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think the system is a huge part of, you know, thinking about what your one-shot is going to be, the basic concept of it. mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's a great time with a one-shot to try out games that you maybe haven't done before. Um, obviously sure. some are better than others if you have you know a system that's like incredibly you know heavy crunch, lots of rules and numbers and everything to keep track of. that may mm-hmm. not be ideal if no one in the group has played it before. but right. you know anything that's really designed to be easy to pick up and play, if no one at the table has played it before, it's still mm-hmm. gonna be fine because you're not committing long term.
0: Talk about an idea we should have had when we started our podcast, for sure. Uh, starting starting games and systems that no one's played and they're too complicated to do in a one-shot. <laughs> uh, but sure. agree, I agree completely uh, with both the points that you all have brought up, right? E- e- the system plays can plays heavily into the type of adventure you're going to do. Some of them are more flexible, for sure, mm-hmm. and you can do a variety of things. But again, it's, it's something that you, if you're the person running it, you should... It's a fun story that you should have fun telling, but if you're being a player, right? Uh, it's also a fun story that you should have fun participating in, mm-hmm. right? And and, sure. uh, and really, again, yeah, it's just you want to have a good time through the night.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think um, talking about like themes, I, I think there are certain um, types of. I'll say adventures or scenarios or plots that you can use when crafting um, a one shot that kind of work a little bit better than you know some others. Um, We've mentioned mystery a couple of times, and that's you know just sort of like find out what's happening, right? Like that's kind of the goal for the adventure is for the players to figure out what's happening. Um, A location adventure like you're you're in the haunted house and you're going to explore that haunted house and find out what makes it haunted, right? Or uh kill the evil thing that's in there and that that's actually um a uh like a uh, oh shoot what's the word i'm looking for um like kind of an assassination not assassination but like a do you have a target that you have to kill that's another easy type of one shot to, to put together right like you're supposed to go here and get rid of this evil thing and that's going to save the day or, you know, the situation or whatever. Yeah, I think Um,
1: something that's a really good uh, idea to keep in mind when you're, you know, first setting it up, writing it, thinking about things is uh, to have a concrete goal for the one-shot for the players. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm sure we'll touch on that later, but I think that that's something that is really, really helpful and important for just keeping a one-shot a one-shot because otherwise you're probably going to spiral into something that like, oh, okay, well, you know, now we need to do, like, two or three other things before this is
2: resolved. Like, don't worry about <laughs> right. that. Keep right. it simple. Yeah, I think that that's a great point, actually. It's just a, a clear and defined goal for what needs to happen in this, in this game. Um, and being able to convey that to the players. If you're, you know, writing and concepting a one-shot, just identify what that is and have a way in your notes or, you know, in whatever it is that you're writing up. Um, very early on to convey that exact goal to the players. Um, That'll at least kind of help keep things on track a little bit, right? Like, there's no way to, you know, completely keep everyone on the rails, essentially. Um, But I think that's one way to kind of help guide the story a little bit, right, is to to have that, that goal and make it very crystal clear very early on.
0: Exactly. And so once you're once you've got your concept in mind, once you've got your theme in mind, you've had a chat with your players, you've had a, you, you've you know you've kind of built the idea out a little bit. Um, I mean, I know for us at least, second step there is mm-hmm. thinking of sort of the structure of the adventure, right. right? And there are several structures you can find. It's it's really just kind of looking up at basic story structure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know for for myself when I'm writing a one shot. I generally break it down into a couple of different sections here and, and I'll run through them real quick and we can uh, we can talk about some other setups as well mm-hmm. so really right step one you want to be able to to have a bit where each character introduces themselves right you're gonna you want to set up your adventure give some some background flavor for the world that everyone's gonna be in introduce the world and then each person, gets to gets to talk about, you know, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm playing such-and-such such character, and here's the team that we're going to be working in. From there, you want to be able to establish some sort of adventure hook, right? Why mm-hmm. are they in this adventure? Why mm-hmm. are they... What's going to drive them to complete this goal? And then from there, I, I usually like to insert maybe some kind of a small battle or maybe something, a social encounter of some sort, right? And, and really, from there, it goes into... Right. It, it, you continue down the adventure. You start giving them opportunities to solve some of these goals. Mm-hmm. And really, after that, you kind of maybe want to have uh, maybe some sort of major combat. Your one-shot does not necessarily need combat, but mm-hmm. most people enjoy some kind of combat. Right. I think right? a lot and of then,
2: tabletop RPG games are, I don't want to say centered around combat, but definitely have some sort of combat element that's a big part of it's their It's usually system, a so. pretty significant part of the yeah.
1: game, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And then you start getting close to, right, achieving that goal, right, wrapping it up. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the hardest part of a one-shot <laughs> is right. trying to trying to make sure everyone's efforts at the end of the day feels like they did something worthwhile. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely a really tricky part of it because even with a one-shot, you don't want to feel like you're, you know, sort of setting the adventure on rails. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be railroading the players. Right. Uh, towards, you know, like, okay, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, this is how it's going. Um, and I think that's something that can be really challenging because trying to, you know, fit everything into that time constraint while allowing for freedom can be a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what Alex has said is a really, a really good way of sort of breaking it down uh, into those individual parts, thinking about what are the encounters, what are the moments mm-hmm. that you're going to have, and then letting the freedom between those moments, you know, for the players to do whatever they want and just sort of finding a way to naturally, you know, help the story guide them towards those. Uh, I, when I'm planning mine, uh, both for Two's cast and in general, because I've run a lot of one-shots for friends, um, one thing that I really like to do uh, is sort of, taken from when we talk about movies a lot of the time we can talk about like the three-act structure Mm -hmm. and i really like that and i really think that works well for one shots of considering you know we've got our three acts of the you know adventure Mm -hmm. right act one is that sort of introduction and hook where you know people are coming together we find out who they are and the you know instigating moment for the one shot happens whatever their goal is it's made clear then act two is you know all the stuff in the middle where they're going around, they're you know trying to accomplish the goal in different ways. Maybe they're talking to different people. Maybe they're getting into some fights. Maybe they're exploring, finding clues, whatever it might be. That all gets them then to Act Three, which is where you want to you know start working towards that very succinct goal uh, and that very clear mm-hmm. moment of this is the finale. It's all coming up to this. We're gonna have that big final moment to cap it all off. And then after that, you can have like a very small amount of, you know, you know, uh, I don't, I, I don't want to say capping off again. Cause I just said that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like you want to have that sort of, uh, yeah, to keep from, to crib from like movie language. Again, it would be like the data right. where you have that sort of final scene of just the, the release of tension mm-hmm. Uh, everyone, you know, gets to ride off into the sunset or whatever else happens. Yep. Uh, and, that's, and that's the end of the night. And I think thinking of it in that way can be really helpful too because a lot of the time for one-shots, you ideally want them to be like three or four hours long. That's usually what most people sit down to right. do, maybe five or six. Mm-hmm. And if you think of it in terms of that three-act structure, you can plan, okay, like, we've got one hour for each act, more or less. And you can take and, you know, move time a little bit between them if you need Mm -hmm. to but that's a i find it to be a really helpful way of thinking about it and i think it can work for a lot of other people too
2: yeah i really uh really like that idea of thinking about it like like a movie or just kind of that basic uh story structure the three-act structure uh something that i Mm -hmm. really like that i actually have pilfered from uh uh, cyberpunk red is uh the idea of like this kind of rhythm to the story and the beats Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that, um, you know, Mike, Mike Pondsmith and, and the others who were involved in, in writing the cyberpunk red book, uh, kind of lay it out. They call it, um, developments and cliffhangers. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent sold on those two terms exactly, because I feel like a cliffhanger is a little bit different than what they, uh, they use it for here. But the idea is it's the, the kind of flow and the rhythm of the story of kind of rising and falling action, um, in a way that, you know, you, you have the development, it moves the story along, conveys some information, uh, brings into light something that is uh, a small goal in in the immediate future. And that sort of raises the tension up, right? And that, that uh, sort of moment, uh, climax of the moment happens. And then there's a moment of relaxation, which sort of leads into another development, right? So it's this sort of, uh rhythm of kind of beats almost of moments between the tense tension and the release you have a social encounter then you have a combat encounter and then you're eluding the corpse and then you're moving on to the next thing and that uh gives you more clues to the the next next thing and so on and so forth and it just sort of builds up to that final moment where there's the the big release and then you can kind of wrap up uh from from there um I really like that way
1: of thinking about it, yeah. And uh, in particular, something that I think is worth sort of highlighting mm-hmm. uh, that's an idea there is every moment in the adventure, and this is, in my opinion, true of every you know adventure that you write, but particularly for one-shots, I think it's really important. Every moment needs to matter. Every mm-hmm, moment sure. that you plan out for your story, whether it feels like it or not in the moment of the game, every moment needs to have like some significance. Everything needs to matter. Everything needs to have a purpose. One shots are not as, as fun as like planning, you know, a lot of downtime for, eh, let's just hang out and, you know, role play for a little bit in a regular campaign Mm -hmm. is one shots are not good for that because it's going to slow things down a lot and you're not going to get through what you want. So I think having like quick snappish moments for that is really nice. And then you, uh, then you just keep moving.
0: It's so just one thing for keeping in mind as you're as you're writing out these encounters and scenarios right uh, just going back to considering your players uh, mm-hmm. you, you know you want you want to be able to make moments and encounters where players can play into their strengths right mm, if for sure. you have, you have some sort of roguish type, something where they can sneak around. Mm-hmm. You've got someone who put a lot of points into a charisma stat or really likes role playing, give them a social situation. You got a, you got a barbarian or some sort of fighter or something like that, right? Something that involves that strength stat, you know, either a combat or, or a feat of strength of some sort. Right. Just Just something to keep in mind so that way each of your players feels like they're participating meaningfully.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Having having an encounter, having a moment for every character's strengths is good. And play to their weakness, mm-hmm. too. I mean, if you notice that oh, there's yeah. a, there's something the party doesn't have covered, uh, you know, maybe throw that in there and uh, in, include some options for them to get around it. You don't want it to be a wall that they just right, can't, right. you know, bypass. But having... A moment like that where they really have to maybe think for a mm-hmm. moment of like oh how do we get past this we don't have a rogue to disarm these traps right. we don't have a magician to you know distract the crowd or whatever like what do we do and then you know let them
2: figure it out and it's a lot of fun yeah for sure and i, I think there's a, a really bit a really good bit of advice uh from there is to you know not leave things as a wall for parties you you just mm-hmm. you don't want to lock progress behind a single skill check in the event that the party doesn't have someone that can cover that or everyone rolls trash trying to break down the door that they absolutely need to get through right like you need to have multiple ways to succeed and and progress through that moment um, that doesn't stop the game from continuing if they aren't able to succeed in their roles right or if they don't have someone that has a skill that's needed for that thing
0: And I think
1: you're... Yeah, yeah. I think... Sorry, go ahead, Brian. You go.
2: Oh, okay. Um,
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, piece of advice to keep in mind. And it goes beyond even just the mechanics of the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Generally speaking, don't lock anything, especially in a one-shot. Don't lock anything that would be like progress for the adventure behind a single door. Uh, Whatever form that door might take because you will offer your players the most simple puzzle or riddle that you thought of (laughs) and you're like I got this off of the Happy Meal box at McDonald's (laughs) and we're going to be good to go. It's rated for four year olds to do this and you're going to give it to your players and they're all going to sit around for 45 minutes not knowing what to do. And that sucks. For sure. That is the worst feeling for everyone at the table. It is the exact opposite of what you want happening at your one Mm -hmm. shot. So just don't do that. If you want to include puzzles or riddles or skill checks or whatever, absolutely do, you know, include whatever you want, but always have options and always have something in your back pocket to pull out in case the party is just absolutely stumped.
0: Right. And I think that illustrates uh, one important bit of as you're writing out and preparing for your adventure is is kind of considering these branching paths for your party, mm-hmm. right? You have a situation. You, as the person writing it, just think of some eventualities of how they might solve it. The reality is whatever your party does is probably going to come nowhere near what you have planned out, but at least, at least thinking out of these different alternatives for the way that they're going to solve it, at least preps you mentally as the person running the adventure to consider how they can apply their skill in an in an obtuse fashion to the scenario that you've given
2: yeah absolutely i think just giving the players uh, kind of agency to solve things as well is a big part of that um or you know even if they don't quite solve the puzzle or the riddle or whatever in the right way or in the quotes right way um, just kind of letting them succeed if they come up with something that's creative enough. I guess that that kind of gets more into tips for like actually running the adventure, which we'll, we'll kind of get to here in, in a little bit, I guess. Um, yeah. But I um, think it's also yeah. a nice segue, though, for,
1: uh, you know, once you've moved from that first, you know, the very first step of writing out the adventure mm-hmm. and sort of thinking about it ahead of time just on your own. Then when you move into the phase of prepping the adventure. Um, cause I think most one shots, uh, some of them are like very spontaneous spur the moment right. things, but I think a lot of the time groups, you know, want to try something mm-hmm. out, right? Like let's do a one shot of this new system that we want to maybe start playing. Let's do a one shot for this, you know, special event, whatever it might be. Uh, and a lot of prep can go into that. Obviously you don't want it to be as much as you would for a full fledged campaign, mm-hmm. but some prep is really nice. And I think the, one of the key ones is working with your players, And that is something that is huge to give them that sense of agency uh, that you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. where if you work with the players to develop their characters and thinking about, you know, why is your character involved in the story? Mm -hmm. How does your character fit into the world? That way, if you have all that in mind and it's an open discussion with your players and hopefully between all of your players as well, you'll all have a good sense of who does what, no one will be stepping on each other's toes, and you as the GM can really focus on presenting a really good adventure that fits your players and fits the characters that they're making.
0: And besides, what who doesn't love coming up with a one-time character and you've got some backstory and there's some, oh, just a yeah. the little bit of potential for mm-hmm. you as the person running the game to include a little bit of that backstory throughout the the adventure um i think that's such a great way to get buy-in from your players as you're as you're going through this right and and look the reality is it's is a three to four five to six hour adventure you're not Mm -hmm. you know not every right the 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 parent that abandoned the character in a back alley is not going to show up you're not going to get the emotional (laughs) catharsis right but but you might you might be able to fit in at least a character here and there that Mm -hmm. calls back to to this backstory that that you know can serve some sort of purpose for the story i I always think that's uh uh i'll give a i'll give a quick compliment to brian i know on my end i'm terrible at doing that i just want to run the adventure and i'm I don't know if, you, if your character has a daughter or something. Later, I'm bad at reading notes. Right. Brian, on the other hand, will definitely write an adventure. And later, you know, you'll have a name pop up that you're like, oh, I wrote that uh, in like the fifth sentence of my seven-page backstory. <laughs> Brian did read
1: it. Excellent. Yeah. No, I, I always read backstories. Uh, I do encourage people to you know, fit them to the character mm-hmm. and to the adventure that we're doing. And to that end, I think something that uh, I, I don't always explicitly ask for one shots, but I usually sort of hint at it and I'm always happy when people do is the main thing that I think is important for a character like personality or backstory wise for a one shot mm-hmm. is going to be either like a person or group that they are connected to that can play a part in the adventure okay. or a goal that they themselves have it as an individual that can play a role in that adventure because earlier we talked about that idea of you know have some concrete goal for the group Mm -hmm. having some concrete goal for that character separate of that other goal or related to it in some way but maybe it could you know potentially cause a little conflict Mm -hmm. or give them a specific you know extra set of steps to be working towards sure That's a really useful thing to do. So if you have an adventure where, okay, the goal is for, you know, the party to explore this, you know, lost ruin and find out what's causing monsters to come out of it, and it's a one shot, you're just gonna, you know, be exploring a little bit, maybe have, you know, other characters, individuals will have goals of, you know, hey... Uh, keep an eye on, you know, what this other person is doing because we think that they're up to something. Or there's a, you know, specific relic that's hidden in this temple and we want you to get it, but don't let anyone else know. Or do let everyone else know and just, like, it's important that you get it. Whatever that case may Mm -hmm. be, it's not necessarily about causing conflict between the players or the characters, but raising the stakes for the adventure as a whole.
2: For sure, yeah. I think uh, having individual agendas for you know, different characters can absolutely be something that, uh, kind of brings more, more life and, and more, um, a more dynamic experience for, for the party. Absolutely. For your players, I should say. Yeah. Um,
1: like, uh, to give a couple examples, can we talk about, we're going to talk about things we've done on two's cast. I feel Ta- like we talk can talk about the stuff we've done. Why not? Yep. The, the episodes are out. The episodes are out yeah, by now. Yeah, so that's yeah, fine. Absolutely. Uh, by the time this comes out. Um, so yeah, for example, uh, in our first one shot for two's cast, uh, I decided to try and be a magnificent bastard uh, and have Rel betray the party. Uh, that was a hundred percent something <laughs> I worked with Alex on. He Excellent. was he was supposed to be uh, like he was he was the inside man who was a double agent. Okay. Uh, except he was actually only working for himself, uh, and so his his he had a whole like set of side goals that I wanted to accomplish during the night. Uh, and some of the things that I did that in the final cut of the episodes might seem like. Wow, why was Rel doing that? Mm-hmm. Why was why why was he doing these things? There there was a reason that just never ended up coming to light, and that's totally fine. But it helped add you know an extra level for things like that. Mm-hmm. Likewise, in the Deadlands one shot, uh, when I was running that, I worked with you know each of the other guys to making their characters and everything, and they had you know their clear goal of track down this renegade and kill him, uh, hunt him down you know, so that he can't escape with state secrets and everything. Uh, But then each of them individually had their own goals related to that on whether they actually wanted to kill him or whether they wanted to, you know, kill him in a specific way or accomplish something else or what it was. Mm -hmm. And that was just to help sort of create an extra level of tension and keep the characters very connected to the story as well as to one another.
0: As a quick side note, it's... As a player in a one shot, it's always a lot of fun when you do have something, right There's the potential to backstab the party mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah. that I, I, at face value that statement sounds really shitty. I get that <laughs> but. Really
1: there's no long term consequences yeah, yeah. to it. Like it's ne- it's not like you're screwing over the party that you're gonna be hanging out with for, you know, thirty more sessions down the line. No, and if you can build it's this a up to mind. to
0: some sort of combat or something, some sort of confrontation between the party, that's fantastic.
1: I'm not saying you have to, oh, can, it's not a requirement. Yeah. Again, think about your yes, players, because right. not everyone's into that. But right. if you have a group where they might enjoy that, uh it can be a lot of mm-hmm. fun to sort of have that on the table. And also, I think uh, most people like having secrets. There's something very fun about, like, oh, for sure. Ooh, I have my secret agenda that I want to accomplish. Yeah, I yeah, think absolutely. we've tried
0: to do the betrayal quest in two of our adventures, and they've never worked out so far. <laughs> two or three <laughs> two of or them three. And it hasn't Someone, happened yet. Someone's always sure. trying to backstab so, everyone so, else, and we always mess it up at the end. Yeah.
2: Not for lack of yeah, trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's kind of a uh I, I guess a player tip right is if you're creating this character for a one-shot like having a secret for yourself that no one else knows uh, and something you can try to accomplish within that one shot can definitely be a lot of fun and you know um mm-hmm. add a lot of uh uh fun and and make the uh, the game di- very dynamic as well and i think you know as DMs you should, or, you know, game masters or whatever, uh, the, the role is called for your, your one shot there, um, work with your players to see if you can kind of develop some of those, those things with them.
1: Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. Tips for players. I would definitely say, uh, you know, make your character involved, make a character Mm -hmm. who wants to, you know, be part of this, whether they simply have like that main goal or whether they have their own, you know, side goals or connections or whatever, like definitely, make that character be active uh, and a character who is going to actively pursue what you're here to do because otherwise it grinds things to a halt and one shots don't have time yeah let's
0: let's be real there's there's no time for that character that wants to sulk in the corner and not deal with the rest of the party right (laughs) Right, we don't have
1: we don't have space for that kind of character
0: development in three hours
2: (laughs) (laughs) right
1: Yeah, like uh, I'm brooding in the corner. I won't talk to anyone. Like, well, you're getting left behind uh, because the 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 castle's (laughs) under attack. And if you're not going, sorry, bud.
2: We are on a ticking clock here, so uh, so I think ship out, right? Exactly, right. So (laughs) I think so. so There's
0: there's right. There's working with the players, and then there's the other side of that coin, which is now you developing your cast of NPCs, Mm -hmm. right? You're so these are these are obviously the player the the, the key characters in the game where your 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 players are going to be interacting with them, right? Mm-hmm. So so really you want to start thinking up of you know uh, these should all kind of tie into your objective and the theme that you're doing, right? If you're doing right. a heist, you want to have either the character that's brought everyone in and is hiring them to do the heist. You want to have the person who is going to be right, who's the victim, quote unquote, of of this heist. Who is a right. uh, who is the rival party that you're going to be doing? And so, so the reason I'm I'm kind of giving them these clear labels, uh, but but the reality is you should just kind of have a big uh, a big selection of NPCs, some of some of whom you have more developed characters for than others. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, just just keep in mind you should just keep uh, a couple of pre made characters on the side for when you need filler, for sure uh, enemies or NPCs of some sort. That's that's mm-hmm. a it's a big tip, but it's a big time-saving tip for sure.
1: Yeah, um, I would 100% agree with that. I would compare NPCs in a lot of ways to the moments or story beats that we talked about before mm-hmm. where they should all matter. Right. Uh, if, if you have an NPC, especially in terms of preparing them, right? Don't prepare anything or prepare the barest minimum that you can stomach for any NPC that you don't think is going to be a major part of things because you don't want to have, you know, every single servant in the manor (laughs) or every single person in town. You don't need backstories for all of them. You don't need all their names. You don't need anything like that. Just get the basics Uh, and don't be afraid with NPCs in a one shot to play into character Mm -hmm, tropes because it works really well in the one-shot format, yep. to have, like, all right, this is the butler. They do butler things, and everything <laughs> that you think a butler would do, that's what they do. They are that character. Right. This is, you know, the the wacky, eccentric guy. That's what he is. He does that. That's what it is. Like, don't be afraid to to play up those character roles, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of the time, uh, the party will actually have fun with it. Players will enjoy you know, interacting with those sort of overblown characters right, yeah, like that. Sure. And, the, and they work really well for
2: moving the story. Yeah. And I think the, uh, the more recognizable you can make these characters to your players or these, these NPCs to your players, the, the more they're going to be able to, or the better they're going to be able to interact with them, right? So if, if you present a, a, an NPC as a trope or having some tropes to them, then the players can identify and go, oh, this guy's the butler. I know how to interact with him in this instance. Um, or this is the like, shady gardener and I need to figure out more what's going on because I recognize that trope immediately. So I'm going to investigate that a little bit more. Stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. And you can play around with them. You can you know, introduce a butler
1: who doesn't behave the way that you normally would expect a butler right. to. Just be aware when you're doing that that that's a choice you're making. And again, if you're doing that, then it really needs to matter. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a reason. There needs to be an importance behind that. Yeah, for sure. One-shots aren't... They're not necessarily the best time for, like, oh, I'm going to subvert all your expectations just for the fun of subverting them. Because if you do that a lot, uh, players tend to uh, get lost and
2: be really unsure of what to do. I think if you are going to try and subvert some expectations, have maybe, like, one central focal point where that's happening, right? Like, you're the party's out to try and find this monster that's causing havoc and we get there and the monster isn't actually a monster. It's got a lot of depth to it and we're kind of turning things on their heads from what the, the party expected going into it. We don't want all of the NPCs that you meet in town along the way to also be subverting those expectations because then you yeah. know that that's, that's what's coming from the monster as well.
1: If so. Yeah. And, and especially it'll also create a, you know, sort of paralysis analysis situation for the players. (laughs) If every, you know, if every character is so in depth and, you know, not at all what we expect, you know, for example, you know, to use that, if you go and you find that the monster isn't really just a monster and they have a good reason for what they're doing or, you know, something like that. That's all well and good. Don't also have it be that like the person hunting the monster is actually, you know, they're really different than you would have expected. And the mayor has like five different secrets <laughs> right. that he's hiding. And the king who sent you there is actually a mind flayer in disguise. Right, right. Like, there's too much yeah, going the, on the at one shot You're doesn't never going to get through it all the, uh, the capacity for a one shot. You really yeah. want to keep it, you know, one, one big twist uh, is probably more or less where you want to keep things for a one shot. And then if you have a couple of little mm-hmm. ones that, maybe hint at that or build towards it but don't do anything
2: huge right, right. on their you own some clues that leading can work to well that, too. not yeah not things that are spin spinning out and everything going in a different direction
1: you want a one shot to have like one story thread mm-hmm. really uh with like a couple of little branches off to the side and you want your npcs to support so you, if sure. i'm
0: understanding correctly when i make my one shot of a mansion that is full of shady gardeners uh mm-hmm. <laughs> they should be fairly one dimensional and understandable and maybe not so shady.
1: No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean if some... the twist is that the if the twist is that the mansion is nothing but shady gardeners, then the mansion itself I is think... a shady
0: gardener.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's it's actually a mimic. Um but I think there <laughs> is like the, uh, a nice little kernel in there that we've sort of talked around a lot. It's just make make every NPC interaction important. Um, Or if they Mm -hmm. are not important, then make them quick, right? So unimportant NPCs are probably going to be very, very flat, uh, whereas the important NPCs are going to have more dimensions to them. And they should always be able to, you know, convey the necessary information to the party so that if the party's not going around and interacting with all of the important NPCs, then you have a way to convey what is necessary to the players in order to accomplish the goal. Is that...
1: And players, I think, tend to pick up on mm-hmm. that distinction. Uh And players, please try to pick up on that <laughs> distinction and help the DM out, because otherwise, uh if you spend 40 minutes trying to get as much info as you can out of that one guy at the bar mm-hmm. who clearly has nothing to yep. say...
2: Uh Move on. It's not yeah, helping anyone. No, we, we want to talk yeah. to Boblin the Goblin. You put him there, he must be important. Yeah, he, he obviously <laughs> was there. I mean,
1: sure. God, if there's there's one thing that i've learned never never try to give any character a funny name unless you want them to <laughs> yep. be like the center of everything yeah, yeah. from then on you know because the
2: party will never let them i go. think be flexible to that as well because if you create yeah. an npc oh, yeah. that you didn't really plan on being important but the party is focusing in on them then just take some of the information that one of the other npcs would have and give it to them so that they can convey that to to the party because if if they are just like dead set on bobble and the goblin and they're not going to talk to anybody else in the tavern well guess what bobble and the goblin has to give them the important information now so that they can go oh, and yeah. do the thing
1: Oh so. God! It sounds like we've segued ourselves into running the
2: adventure now. <laughs> yeah, I think instead of just prepping yeah, I next. mean we 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 have a little bit there. I, I guess before we move on to that, it all goes together. It, it all flows. Nicely. Yeah, absolutely. I guess you know any any other tips from you guys about prepping specifically that's not directly related to to running uh, the so adventure. I'll,
0: I'll say just a tip. If uh, I'm the type of person who likes to run games and I like to make characters with a lot of voices and I like to mm. chew the scenery and ham it up, if that sounds like the type of game that you like to run, right, this is the step where you can come up with all those characters and how they're going to ham it up, mm. right? Uh, I, I think our first adventure had one character called uh, Lord Lordington V. That <laughs> was a name mm-hmm. I came up with at spur of the moment and you just got the most ridiculous voice i could think of. Yep. And god, i loved that character. It was so much fun and i i like to think that the pc who interacted with that character had a lot of fun too, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it's 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 definitely your chance as a dm to start coming up with, you know, don't don't be afraid to add a little bit of variety. To your voices, to your to how your characters are going to interact with the party. Are they going to be mm. trustworthy? Are they going to be uh, uh, scared of them? Are they going to be too trusting? Are they going to be right? It, it's it's your time to start establishing a little bit of that dynamic as you're thinking of getting the game ready to play.
1: For sure. Yeah. When you're prepping again, I think that I think the biggest thing always goes back to you know just make everything matter. Just you know don't sweat the small right. stuff when you're prepping a one-shot focus in on what's going to be important what is going to happen think about those story beats think about uh, how the npcs are going to help to you know set that up think about how the players are going to interact with that and how their characters are going to work with that um and yeah like definitely have fun with it one shots are a great time To get a little goofy or, you know, get really into the tone of whatever you're Mm -hmm. doing. If your tone is not meant to be goofy, if you're doing like a Halloween horror one shot, like dive into that full force, make it everything you can make. Which
0: real quick, before we move over to running the adventure, that kind of relates just to working with your players, right? Discuss discuss the tone of the game with your players. Mm -hmm, If it's going to be silly, let them know. Hey, feel free to be silly. If you want to run something serious, Right. Make sure don't don't try to mm-hmm. don't try to implicitly, you know, have that adventure run that way. Outright right, state it. Right. Just say say so. Hey, yeah. this is going to be a mystery. I uh, I want you all to play this seriously. Right. And most players mm-hmm. are going to, to play it the way that you're asking unless they're unless they're me and they don't know how to take things seriously.
2: <laughs> right, right. Yeah.
1: No, I think uh, I think certain genres definitely only really work when everyone buys. In. Absolutely. Um And ask your players to do that more, more often than not, I think they'll be fine with it. And if they really don't, maybe just reconsider, you know, what the theme is going to be and make it something a little bit different. I suppose, instead of saying, don't be afraid to be silly one shots, uh, more than anything, it's not
2: a time to be subtle. Right. Yeah. 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 Very well put, Brian. Um, and I, I think the example of like the, you know, the Halloween one shot is a great, um, example, uh, saying the same thing twice there um but yeah i think that is a you know a a great point of like um you know we're we're doing a halloween one shot here because it's halloween it's spooky time like we're going to have a kind of a horror story so people kind of know what to expect going into that or you know any any other um i guess themes or genres or whatever that you're going to be playing in and and again like the game um Mechanically, the game that you're going to be playing is going to help with that a lot, right? Like you're telling your friends that we're going to play like Deadlands like you were saying or, you know, Monster of the Week or whatever. Just kind of knowing that going into it is going to help with that a little bit. But absolutely make your intentions clear um, to to the players about what type of game it's going to be. Um, And I think one other kind of like, uh, you know, pro tip for preparing for adventures or for one shots is going to kind of lead us into talking about running the games as well. Uh, This is more specifically for if you're running, like, a pre-written adventure, um, is to roll your random encounters ahead of time. Like, don't wait until it's the time for that encounter to take place and be like, okay, well, uh, now we have uh, six skeletons here that you guys are fighting in the graveyard, right? Like, you want to make those rolls ahead of time so you know how many skeletons are going to pop up in the graveyard when your players are going through it, right? Like... Um, To kind of just be a little bit that much more prepared for the adventure.
1: Yeah, I would say if you're going to do any sort of random encounters or anything like mm-hmm. that, just have them prepped ahead yep. of time. You know, if you if you want to boil it down to like a single die roll in the moment because you just, you know, you're not sure which one it's going to mm-hmm. be, maybe that works. But I I would say more or less have everything planned out Right. Uh, in terms of cutting down on prep time in the middle of the session.
2: Exactly. That'll just help make things smoother when you're actually playing because... Again, if we're just doing a one shot, like chances are you're just going to be sitting down to play this game. Like we've said, you know, three, four hours, maybe as many as six hours, if you and your friends have have that time to uh, to put into it, right? Um, so you just want to make sure that you're able to spend all of that time playing the game and having a good time, and not trying to figure out what's coming up next for the the players. Um,
0: yeah, definitely. The more yeah. the more of the adventure you got figured out going into it. The easier and smoother it's going to go. Now, that's not to say that players won't make choices or do things that completely go off the rails. Did we lose Alex? Oh, did y'all lose me? I did. Oh, no. Hold on. Testing, testing. Oh, oh, there Hello? we go. Hey, you're oh, that's right, back. Oh, are still working on my end.
2: Uh, oh, okay. Odd.
0: Okay, sorry about that. No, it's um, cool. We
2: can we can just kind of reset, and we'll maybe we'll edit that out. Who knows? Uh, but. Uh, I said yeah. a lot of bad
0: words when I when you lost me, so Uh-oh. <laughs> Oh that's, no, I was gonna say <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> that's right. Brian's the bad boy of podcasting. I didn't mm. I can't step on his toes. <laughs> uh no, I was just saying essentially, you know, the more of the adventure you got figured out going in, the better, right? But that's that's also not mm-hmm. to say that no matter how much you got it figured out, your players are gonna throw you curveballs. Right. And that goes back Absolutely. to the idea of just considering branching paths, right? Come up mm. with a scenario. Come up with an outcome, but then also think of, well, what if they do this? Okay. Well, what if they do that? Okay. Well, what if they do mm. this? Right. And there's obviously only so many of that you can come up with, but the right. reality is your your players are all individual people with stupid minds, and they're gonna do something <laughs> stupid that's gonna break your encounter, and there's no way you can predict it. You just kind of have to yeah. roll with it, right? And, and so I think I think that kind of wrangles that kind of uh, kind of segues into actually running the adventure. Uh, for your one shot, right? And so there's mm-hmm. the idea of how much do you railroad this limited encounter? And, you know, truthfully, I myself, I'm not a big fan of railroading, so I usually <clears> try, to, try to make, uh, this is just me being lazy and not wanting to think too much, I try to just make a, a concrete or solid location that the whole adventure takes place in, right? You, right. Can't, you can't go too far if the whole adventure takes place in one mansion. <laughs> right? right there's only so many rooms they can explore mm-hmm. uh, but but you know I, I know Brian has more experience with, with large geographic adventures and still kind of keeping us on track
1: <laughs> to actually do it well a key thing that I think works there is um, you can do I agree wholeheartedly that you don't want to be like railroading players right because that takes away the agency it takes away a lot of the fun of you know looking at these encounters and figuring out what to do about them. If everything is just sort of spoon-fed to you mm-hmm. on a single line that you walk down, you know, that's that's not nearly as fun. Um, but in terms of that sort of wrangling uh, and sort of light, hidden railroading, so to speak, um, there are a bunch of different ways to do it. I think that uh, the one, you know, having it in a set geographical location can be a really good way to do mm-hmm. that. Uh, another one, and uh, certainly something, again, to compare these you know first two episodes of Two's Cast that Alex and I ran, respectively, um, yours was in that mansion, right? We were in the mansion. That's the only place that we are. Like, the mansion's big, but there's lots of areas that are hard uh-huh. to get to or that we would get in trouble for getting to. So by and large, we are in the mansion. There's are certain areas we're going to. We can't get up to that much trouble. We can't go that far off base because we are you there. you think that. Uh, well, you'd <laughs> right. think that, and we certainly put it to the test. But it, it, like, it wasn't a situation where any of us was like, "I'm going fishing," and just had nothing to do. We had to be there. We had to interact with it. Uh, and there are a bunch of different ways to do that. With my adventure, conversely, uh, like you just said, much bigger geographical location. We had, in, th- I mean, if you want to include the entirety of what happened in the adventure, mm-hmm. we had like the entire ride up the Texas Trail to Dodge City, then Dodge City. And then taking a train into Colorado and then riding or walking away from a train station in Colorado into the mountains to, you know, deal with the situation there. Well, how do you keep your players from getting too off track in that moment? With mine, the geog- it wasn't a geographical boundary. It was a temporal boundary. Mm, they mm-hmm. had a time. Right. They were told very directly, hey, this is our timetable. It's important that you get this done within this period. If it doesn't happen, that is immediately considered a failure for right, right. Your, your group. Uh, and, and then on top of that, we have the extra timetable of the train is going to show up at this time. And if you don't get done what you need to do before the train gets here, that's too bad. Now you need to get on that train to get to where the train is going Mm -hmm. that you can then do what you need to do. And I had, you know, fail-safes and ideas in place for what might happen if they didn't accomplish certain things by the time that the next story beat was happening. But I think it's a really useful tool uh, that sort of goes back to the story structure, but then, you know, when you're running the Mm -hmm. game, Don't be afraid to use those. Don't be afraid to think about, okay, I planned this out that, like, at this point in the adventure, this next thing happens, or, you know, they need to have done this, or they are still in this location, and remind players of that. You don't have to hit them over the head with it and be like, no, you have to do this thing, you have to go here, but... Sort of reminding them that, like, hey, no, like, you're in this house, you are at this station, the train is coming in 30 minutes, what are you going to do before it gets here? That can be a useful tool, just for sort of, you know, keeping track of what the players are doing and helping them to stay, not on track in terms of not being allowed to go anywhere else, but on focus of what
2: matters in the adventure,
1: because you do have an allotted period of time for a one-shot, and you don't
2: want it to be wasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the um, the nugget that I'm pulling from this here is find ways to set boundaries, right, that keep your players from mm-hmm. going off into the sort of metaphorical abyss of, you know, infinite options, right? Like you have, you're in this house, you have this time frame, you are uh, trying to accomplish this goal or this other bad thing is going to happen if you don't get to it. So we have to stay on task somewhat, right? Um, I, I think that's... Uh, those boundaries...
1: Yeah. yeah, those boundaries are really useful. Mm-hmm. And again, I think if you present them well, I know a lot of you know game masters out there are very hesitant to do things mm-hmm. like that. But I think especially for one-shots, they're good. And if you do them, uh, as long as you're not presenting it as like a hard boundary, mm-hmm. if you're not saying a hard no to your right. players, then I think it'll be okay. And you can even set those boundaries in terms of choices to some extent that they have to choose between mm-hmm. as long as they have multiple choices and each choice can you know matter and lead to something and make a difference because right. if you're basically just saying like hey do you want to stab this guy in the back or stab him in the front like that's not really a choice <laughs> that doesn't change right. things much right. um, but if you have this situation of you know you're here to assassinate this guy how do you go about it are you gonna you know just you know go up and stab him are you gonna poison him are you gonna set up an accident are you gonna do this that or the other thing those then still become the boundaries of every choice they're making is still leading to that same goal Mm -hmm. that same end point but it allows them that branching path to get
2: yeah so i i think one of my things that i like to do when when running one shots is rather than just saying okay what do you do is asking questions that are a little bit more specific it's like do you mm-hmm. or giving them options within my, my question, right? So, do you do this or do you do this or this or you know, what's the play here, right? Rather than just saying, okay, well, you guys are here in this situation, so what do you do? Like, well, uh, fuck, now I have all these options, ah, uh, right? Like, well, are we going to sneak up sneak up on this person? Are you trying to kind of scope out the situation for a minute first? Are you, you know, going right in for the kill? Like, what's the the play here, mm-hmm. right? So, giving those options in the question that you're asking can kind of help keep things a little bit more uh, on track, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Again, to cite a couple examples, I know um, in my you know one shot in Deadlands when the posse gets to Dodge City. I didn't I might be misremembering this and I'm hopefully not <laughs> uh cuz it's gonna it's gonna come off real bad if I'm like I did this really smart thing and then I didn't. <laughs> oh, I'll um, let you know, don't worry. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure what I remember is that when they got to Dodge City, you know, they get to the scene is that they're on this train platform and they know the train is coming. I don't think what I I didn't say to them like, "Okay, you're here. What do you do now?" I presented it as like, "You guys are here you need to find out certain information. You Mm -hmm. have an hour in which to gather information that you need to accomplish your goal. How do you go about doing it? And I think phrasing questions like that for players can be really nice because it's both a subtle gesture from you as the game master that, hey, keep on track, you know, do the things you're doing, Mm -hmm. but it also helps refresh for them and it can really put things into focus for players. That right. This is what we're doing, and give a sense of urgency about it, and like, okay, we need to get this so done. So that for sure. that
0: actually uh, kind of connects with the, the the recurring thing I keep saying: where your players are going to try to do something to to really break the scenario, regardless. So using mm-hmm. Brian's example, all right, they they get off. They get off the. They arrive at the train station. He told us we need to go find information. I think the first thing one of our other co-hosts said was, "I'm going to go find ice cream." That's not productive at all. Yeah, I'm going I'm to go get a light gonna lunch. Go, yeah, I'm going to go, go get, get a light lunch and shaved in, ice cream and saloon. shaved ice. Yeah. And so he uh, went yep, to the yep. saloon. But you, as the person running the adventure, again, you need to be flexible and you need to understand right, just making these... Moments meaningful, mm-hmm. even if your players are doing something that you did not account for. Right, our our player mm-hmm. went over to the saloon and ended up talking to the barkeep and getting essential information that was actually yeah. uh, part of a big piece of information for us throughout the adventure. Right, uh, so it's so part of part of the game is having everything planned out, but also just thinking on the fly. Right, if your if your abs- players yeah, going to abs- try to yeah. break out of that mold, you know, be flexible. Do not Do not think of your adventure Um, as written in stone. Think of it as written on a chalkboard with chalk that you can constantly wipe off and rewrite.
1: Right. Be prepared for all of those, yeah, wacky little, you know, side moments and subplots that the players are going to cook up Mm -hmm. because they're going to. And, you know, sometimes they might not really go anywhere and they're just there for comic relief. And sometimes, uh, you know, uh, an engineered fight between three identical men Will give you the cover that you need at the end of the heist to get out of the mansion <laughs> and have it all pinned on them instead of calculated. on you guys. Uh, no. s- yeah, that was a that was a purely calculated move. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, both on our part as the players and on your part oh, as yeah. the DM, you oh, always yeah. knew that that's how that was gonna. Oh, end. for sure.
2: Why would anyone doubt that? <laughs> um, no, thinking but, on the fly is yeah. huge,
1: uh, and I think it's it's one of those things that I think scares a lot of people for GMing in general, Mm -hmm. right? Like that idea of I might have to improvise, I might have to think on the fly. Uh, And that's why, you know, sort of, again, everything goes together, everything links together in this process. When you're prepping, that's why you want to prep the way that we talk about. You want to prepare those story beats and you want to prepare those NPCs to support it Mm -hmm. so that in the moment, it doesn't really matter at that point, you know, what your players are doing or where they're going or who they're talking to, you have enough to make it work. Yeah. And if you need to shuffle things around and have, like we brought up earlier, if you need to have the information that, you know, Lord Darkwater was going to say, and that comes out of Boblin the Goblin instead, whatever. <laughs> right, yeah, like, that's fine. As long as you
2: know it'll, the, it'll work the out. things that are important, find ways to mm-hmm. convey that to your players as they are making their choices that you didn't prepare for, essentially. Mm-hmm. A, really,
1: yeah. a really nice trick that I like to use, and I, it's not one that I came up with. I read this somewhere, and I don't remember where because it was years ago. Um, but something that is, you know, really helpful to think about for planning like long-term campaigns is like, okay, I want my players to go to this dungeon. They right. wanna, I want them to go to this dungeon, this temp- or, you know, temple or whatever, to find this mystical artifact and fight this spirit or anything. And that's like the plot, right? right. Uh, and so if you have that idea, like that's great. The problem is if you put it in one town and then your players don't go to that town. So what you do instead <laughs> right. is whatever town your players go to, that happens to be the town with the dungeon. Exactly. And they don't know that because you didn't tell them ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And so it seems organic, or it feels at least a little more organic to them, uh, but you've been able to improvise right. that. And you can do that on a much smaller level in one shot For sure. To the same effect.
2: I, I think sort of the, uh, the counterpoint to that is if you have... Um, like a, an encounter, we'll say, and that can be, you know, anything. It can be a social encounter. It can be a you know puzzle, a trap, uh, a combat encounter that you really like and you want to make sure it happens. Um, then make sure that you have an important thing that is there or you place that in somewhere that is absolutely vital for the adventure to take place, right? You don't want to have this really cool trap encounter be in some forgotten corner of your dungeon that your players aren't going to go to, if you want them to uh, experience that encounter you want to put it in their path um, and, and kind of the same thing you can sort of play with you know, information that needs to be gathered oh well you go into the tavern and you talk to people there and you find you don't find the information that you need but you find out who has it and where they are so you can go to that place and experience that that thing. It can be, you know, a combat encounter with them or this really neat character that you thought up and you have a really great voice for, you know, whatever, that you want to make sure your players experience that. Um, so you can send them off to search after that thing and make sure that they get it, essentially.
1: Yeah, I think that goes back really nicely to, you know, we keep saying make things matter, make those encounters right. matter make those moments matter Uh, and you might be wondering well how do I know if they matter those are the moments that should be actual like encounters if you're gonna have players rolling dice or engaging Mm -hmm. with the mechanics of the game that should be saved for the important moments. Absolutely. Don't be hitting your players with, you know, every time, oh, I'm going up these stairs, like, oh, they're rickety old stairs. <laughs> right. roll, yeah. Yeah. roll dexterity to get up the stairs. Like, don't don't, don't yeah. do that. Just <laughs> don't. Uh, it's, it's so unnecessary. It's one of those roadblocks that, like, because a good way to think about that is if you have a moment where, you know, you're engaging with the rules of the game beyond just the narrative, mm-hmm. that's a moment where the characters can fail. Right. And moments of failure should be moments that matter. Because if you do them for things that don't matter, you get into that weird moment of, okay, everyone failed to get up the stairs. <laughs> like, I guess we're stuck on the first floor right, now. Right. And that's the adventure. And everything you put on the second floor, they're never going to get mm-hmm. to it now. Right. Good job. Like, don't don't be afraid to let players just accomplish things if they're
2: not dramatically important to the quest right. and the adventure I, I think to build on top of that like if there is no consequence for the failure even if it is something that's exactly. important to progression of the story or of the adventure you know whatever this, this one shot is then don't if there's no consequence for failing then just let it happen right like oh well we mm-hmm. have a rogue here and we have this door that needs to be have the the lock picked he can just spend 10 minutes messing with the lock and ultimately getting it through right there's no that's a there's fantastic no pressure example on him because there's no consequence if he fails um other than just having to roll again in the... right so yeah
1: yeah the first instinct in that scenario would probably for you know 99 people out of 100 be okay you want to unlock the door roll right. for it I'm like i would encourage especially in one shots don't do that just say all right you're you're gonna unlock the right. door Only have them roll if it's a situation of, like, you hear a guard coming around the corner, roll to see if you get inside before they catch you. Right, exactly. That's a moment where it matters because there's that chance of failure that has consequence. If there's no consequence, there's no Uh, roll. Absolutely.
0: And do not be afraid to, and this is just for tabletop gaming in general, do not be afraid for your players to fail. Failure is is really the place where the most interesting things in your story are going to happen.
1: yeah that feels like a weird thing to say maybe right after we've just said like (laughs) oh like don't you know don't even give them a chance of failure if it doesn't matter but again make it matter right right? like those chances for failure are where you get interesting moments they're where you get the plan goes awry so now what do we do those are moments that we see in media all
2: the time and it's something that you can really engage with for the story absolutely yeah and Um, just allowing failure to move the story forward as well, right? You don't want a failure to grind everything to a halt. Mm -hmm. You want to make it change the circumstances of the story. So, okay, well, you were at this locked door and now there is a guard coming, so you need to roll to see if you get through it in time. Oh, well, you fail. The door is open but this guard is on your heels, so now what do you do? It brings up that moment of of tension that we were talking about earlier with sort of the beat uh, uh, and the mm. rhythm of the story is finding ways to allow failure to escalate those moments of tension, mm. um, and
1: or even yeah. in a case like that, a good trick you can do is put it to the player.
2: Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. fail? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Like,
1: you, it's your choice. Mm-hmm. You can get this door open, but the guard sees you, mm-hmm. or you can abandon it. And now the guard, like, is suspicious. They're going to be watching that door. You need to find another way right. in. What do you do? Like, as long as you have those different options available. uh
2: let players fail, let them, mm-hmm. you know, go back to page one and figure it out. For sure. There. Or even just allowing them as kind of an example with what you were saying is like succeeding at a cost. Um, I think I mm-hmm. love games that have that mechanic of you succeed, but not all the way. Right. Um, or there's yeah. some sort of hindrance or twist to how things can progress for moving forward now. Um, so do Man. you allow them to get through the door but be spotted or do you have them you know run away and not succeed at all like yeah
0: yeah it's 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 funny because we're we're given this advice for running this one shot and i feel like we keep saying one thing and then also advising for letting the other thing happen as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> right and, and yeah. really that's that's it's right a exactly act. and it all goes i mean those that point that we keep hammering in is making the moments matter and then also just staying loose Keeping it mm-hmm. playing it on the fly, right? You have all these scenarios, all these characters, all these moments, put them in your toolkit and disperse and give them out to your
1: players as you can,
0: right?
2: Absolutely,
1: yeah. And uh, when it's all you know coming to that conclusion point, when it's all coming to you know your finale, mm-hmm. uh, let it happen and don't be afraid to sort of coax it along when your players are getting close to mm-hmm. the end. That's when you really want to be, you know, ratcheting up the tension, you know, still don't be calling for roles on every little thing and, you know, you know, the, that train of thought got away from me. Um, (laughs) But like, don't be, don't be afraid to push it. Don't be afraid to really, you know, raise the stakes, get to that climactic moment. And then once that, you you know, hopefully ends in success, but if it ends in glorious explosive failure, great. (laughs) That's a fun way to end things too. Uh, and then you know, finish out things with the aftermatter, and you're right. Good to even
0: go. a bad ending is an ending for your adventure. And I'm yep. not saying a bad mm-hmm. ending. Even a bad ending exactly. can be
1: fun. I'm not saying that a bad
0: ending where no one has fun. That's that's not an ending for your adventure. <laughs> right. No. That's not a. Good, that's that's
2: yeah. That's a terrible <laughs> ending. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Even even if you're even if your whole party fails, but everyone had mm-hmm. fun, you have run a good adventure.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, if you all, if the the, the party had fun going in and exploring these dangerous caves, and they get into the final boss battle, and he ends up killing them all, and it's a TPK, right? Like that's that can still be a good time as long as yeah. you're not forcibly making that happen, right? If the if the dice decide that that's what happens, and everyone's cool with that, then that can still be a fun fun game. I mean, the like the Tomb of Horrors is infamous for that exact thing right like people know that they are probably going to die at the end of that so they're not necessarily expecting to get to the end and get a sarah treasure but they're going to have fun failing along the way
1: exactly you want your players more than anything at the end of a at the end of a one shot you want everyone to walk away feeling satisfied absolutely you want to have a satisfying ending whether it's good or happy or sad or frightening or profound you want it to be like that good conclusion. You want it to feel like when you finish a movie or a book or whatever and you're like, "Man, that was that was mm-hmm. good." One shots don't need to be art house films that leave you just puzzled. <laughs> right. You want them you want them you want it to have something concrete at the finish. Sure. I
0: don't know. I like finishing my games with the hard reflection on my relationship with
1: my father, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fine as long as we're all satisfied too. <sighs> and Uh, personally i've i've always been (laughs) uh so yeah really really when you're getting close
0: (laughs) to just ending that adventure right it's it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'll be okay one piece of advice from that i've experienced from running one shots is uh loose threads loose ends Mm -hmm. right um some stuff you're just gonna have to let go some yep. stuff you just yep. kind of if, if it didn't materialize it didn't materialize yep. don't try to don't try to suddenly write the npc you forgot shows up at the cart at the last minute which is something i didn't mind but
1: you know it, it's not <laughs> right. you know you just
0: have to well, let that it that would
1: work because it felt like a it, it fit the tone of what we had yeah, been doing yeah. and it felt like a fun cap off and it left us all feeling satisfied we were all like yeah awesome that's what that's what that was doing that's <laughs> yeah, what yeah it was totally, totally there, made sense that whole time yeah uh, yeah Uh, yeah. i mean did it make sense Mm. maybe not but we all rolled with it because it was fun but all right
0: (laughs) so why don't we um so brian how about you can give us uh, maybe a couple of lessons that you've learned from running for sure yeah i think we've kind of
2: gone through the uh the sort of arc here of uh writing prepping now running the shot and we've come we've reached the conclusion so uh where does that that leave us here so we'll. uh, if you had to give any like yeah, parting think, uh, words of wisdom, Brian, what, what, yeah, what would you Yeah, I with? think
1: if I were to sort of combine, you know, synergize everything we've been saying into like what's the core message here, yeah. right? Um, You want to strike that balance between staying focused and staying mm-hmm. loose. You really want to have that like combination of a concrete goal in mind and boundaries around getting there. But within those boundaries, letting the players do whatever they want. Don't, you know, don't harp on, they have to solve this one puzzle. Don't harp on, they have to have this one encounter. Let them solve those puzzles. Let them figure out how to get to their goal, however they want, and just be prepared to, you know, keep pushing them towards it. You don't need to worry about lateral movement as much as forward movement in a one shot. Uh, And at the end of the day, really the most important thing is that you're having fun the most important thing is that you're you know enjoying it because one shots i think codify the idea of the game in a Mm role-playing game you really are there to sit down and just you know have a good time for a few hours and it doesn't matter if it goes anywhere it doesn't matter if you've accomplished the goals or not at the end what matters is that at the end of the night everyone feels good about what you've done and everyone's had a good time with it.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think I have much more to add there. I mean, if anything, I'd just say don't be afraid if some things get derailed. Um mm-hmm. it's it's just gonna yeah. happen and that's just part of keeping it keeping loose, loosey goosey, right? But if, if there was one lesson that I could scream from the the hilltops, right, it's just have fun. Have fun. Yeah. The end of the day, we're all here to play a game. It's a game. Mm-hmm. Enjoy yourself. Make sure, you know, if the players have fun, then
1: you're having fun and it's a good adventure no matter what happens. And hey, if you had enough fun with it and, you know, you do have those little bits of derailing or loose threads at the end and anyone brings them up, maybe that's something to tackle in a sequel one shot. Yeah. You know, you can do that down the line. That's always an option.
2: Absolutely. No, I think that's uh, some, some great words of wisdom there and, and uh, certainly has uh, sort of in, encapsulated our whole conversation. Um, you know, stay loose, prepare as much as you can and try and, and work things in, but just let the players do what they're going to do and find ways to adapt uh, to those choices that they make as they're going along. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been said by all of us here now, but the goal is to, to have a good time and have, have fun while you're doing it um so yeah i think that's kind of a, uh, a final seal on the uh our, our advice here is just make sure everybody's having a good good time or maybe not make sure but do your best to just have a good good demand time. it of your players <laughs> why is no one having fun i specifically requested it. yeah make it magical <laughs> um but yeah thank guys thank you so much for for coming out and uh joining the show today and uh, having this discussion here. It's, it's been a blast and I look forward to, uh, to staying in in contact with, with you guys here and maybe even working together in in the future. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Anytime. If you want to, if you want to, you know, give a shout out,
1: have us back anytime or we'll have you anytime. It'll be awesome.
2: well cool. Yeah, so if y'all I'm going to give y'all the floor here for a minute just if you want to let our listeners know uh you know any parting details about yourselves, how, how to get in contact with y'all, how to to find you uh in the uh the the ether of the internet. So.
1: Well, I'm an Aquarius, so you know that's very important. <laughs> you, really? Should've I'm known. an Aries. Oh my god.
0: Uh Oh, that explains uh, so much. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Anyway, um you have emotions fr- <laughs> too? Yeah, you were born I don't actually. Anyway. <laughs> um so we're from two weeks one shot a tabletop rpg variety podcast like we said at the top if you want to listen to our show uh really you can just type linktree.com slash twoscast that's t-w-o-s cast and that'll give you links to where to find us on social media where you can listen to the show uh i'm i'm uh Alex Rodriguez, if you want to talk to me on Twitter and, you know, start up some sort of Pokemon level rivalry where I will always pick the (laughs) opposite of your starter Pokemon, but lose every battle down the line, you know, find me on Twitter. And I'm at Uncle Andross, that's at Uncle underscore Andross with two S's. And I'm always excited to talk about one shots or D&D or tabletop games or uh, snacks.
1: Yeah, um, I'm also from Two's uh, obviously, so, you know, all of that goes for me as well. And if you want to hear more of me uh, and other things that I do on the side, um, you can also find me on Twitter, uh, at Helix Missionary, that's Helix, H-E-L-I-X, and then missionary, like the position. Um, and it's a great time, you can, uh, you know, have some, I, I share different jokes and thoughts and things uh, other projects that I'm involved in. I usually give, you know, shout outs and updates on there, uh, including hopefully by the time this episode comes out, I'll be streaming more regularly again on Twitch, which would be cool. Uh, how so can they, you know, how, feel free to hit us up. How can up they wherever. find you on Twitch, Brian? The same name. Uh, just, yeah, also there's links on Twitter. Uh, you'll find me. Yeah.
2: I'm sure. I, I'll definitely make sure to, to throw, uh, links in the episode description as well. So if y'all, y'all can get those over to me as well. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for, for joining us. And as a reminder for all of our listeners here, if you want to contact uh, the show, you can reach us on uh, via Gmail at 19 dragon at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at 19hitsthedragon. Um, we are available wherever you get your podcast. So please do uh, like, comment, subscribe, uh, leave ratings, reviews, whatever you can, wherever you get your podcast. Um, or if you're, you know, just enjoying the show and want to talk uh, talk uh, to me or to uh, anybody, just uh, reach out to, you know, 19 of your closest friends and, and uh, tell them to give us a listen as well. Um, but thanks to, uh, again, to you guys here for joining me today. Uh, thanks for our, to our listeners for joining us for this episode here. And uh, we'll see you next time when 19 hits the dragon. Bye-bye. All right.